welcome to the Energetics Exchange podcast, conversations with energy and climate experts. Please note that the information and commentary in this podcast is of a general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular individual or business. Listeners should not rely upon the content in this podcast without first seeking advice from a professional. Welcome to the Energetics Exchange podcast series. I'm Jamie Ayres, Associate and Property Sector Lead with Energetics. Today, I'm joined by Michael Bosnich, General Manager of Energetics Energy Accounting Services, and our guest today, David Solsky of Invisi Software Solutions. For our listeners, many of you would know Invisi, but for those who don't, Invisi offers a resource optimization platform. It provides organizations with visibility of their data from an enterprise to equipment level. With this visibility, businesses can identify patterns, prioritize action, and improve efficiency. The platform can be found across financial services, manufacturing, health, and education sectors. They are prominent here in Australia and have a significant overseas presence, particularly in the US and the UK. So today's topic is a discussion on the insights that can be extracted from a business's data and the opportunities it unlocks. So Dave, if I could start with you. We know data is critical to making decisions at all levels of an enterprise. So what sustainability data is available and how can it be used by corporate entities? Yeah, Jamie, look, uh, data really obviously sits at the heart of so much that we're doing you know, in, in everything in our everyday lives and, and, and in business, not just in sustainability. I think we've probably got to look no further than you know, the COVID crisis and how the governments around the world are relying on, on, on data to drive their decision making. And, you know, we, we know the advertising that we receive on our, on our phones every day is, is, is all linked to data. So I think in many respects, um, sustainability is, is no different. It ultimately relies on data and the, the timeliness of that data and the quality of that data is ultimately going to be a key determinant for organisations in terms of you know, the outcomes that they can achieve from a sustainability perspective. I think if we look at the, the, the last you know, decade or so that uh, Invisi has been operating in the space, I think in truth, the, the, the common challenge that we face and a common theme that has emerged for most organisations is access to quality data uh, in a timely manner. And I I think in many respects, it's still the biggest stumbling blocks for organizations in terms of being able to drive their sustainability strategies forward. I think if I look to the early days of our business, uh, you know, we got going in around 2008, 2009, um, and we were trying to deal with uh, utility providers here in Australia and, and just get, you know, simple data like utility bills on a monthly basis in, you know, electronic format that could be easily uploaded into our platform for Angus purposes. And it took many years to get that right. And, and, and you know, fast forward 10 years and, uh, you know, generally speaking, we can get the bulk of that data today, but a lot of our customers still get challenged around getting data out of landlord uh, electricity accounts and the like. So even things like, utility bills, um, which are relatively blunt instruments ultimately in terms of being able to drive a sustainability strategy, have their own challenges. And, and of course, when you start to try get into more uh, granular data and, and, and data with um, you know, greater frequency, uh, looking at meters, sub-meters, uh, ultimately being able to connect to building automation systems uh, and, and pull out you know, real-time data around performance, it gets increasingly challenging. So, yeah, I think for most of our customers today, um, you know, if they look forward over the next 10 years and, and, and think about where is the some of the real criticalities in terms of being able to execute on their sustainability strategies, a lot of it is going to still come back to data, which is probably not dissimilar to the challenges that they were having 10 years ago. And I think we as, a, as an industry 
uh, have to still do a lot more around how we can uh, make data more easily accessible. Um, and I think that there's probably a role still for, for governments. We've seen a number of programs over the years that have emerged where um, governments, industry bodies have tried to put pressure on through uh, supply chains to be able to get uh, or, or mandate um, you know, better access to data. And we've seen that across multiple geographies, including the UK and the US, where we've done a, a lot of work over the last five or six years. And, and I think there's still work to be done there to be able to get better access to data to ultimately drive sustainability strategies and, and, and sustainability performance strategies far more effectively through, through data-driven insights. What I was going to touch on is you've mentioned electricity. So that's obviously an important part of the sustainability footprint. What about getting access to data for other entities? I know one of the challenges that we have is getting access to, for example, water information in a timely fashion in an appropriate format. Yeah, look, I, I guess we all land up speaking very much about, you know, energy, particularly you know, electricity and gas because of the significant impact that that usually has on, on, on the carbon footprint for most organisations, particularly those that are very built environment centric. I, I guess sitting behind those, yes, there, there is a long tail of other um, sustainability metrics. Yeah, water falls into that, uh, waste, uh, and, and then you land up in the world of refrigerants and, and, and a number of other very obscure items, which still need to ultimately get measured as part of the overall sustainability footprint. And I think, you know, sadly, once you, I mean, we, we, we still, I think, struggling as an industry just around electricity and gas. When you move beyond that, you, um, you know, you find that the problems get, uh, you know, even larger in terms of getting quality data. Waste has been a particularly troublesome area for, for most of our customers um, over the years. I mean, the industry, the waste industry is still evolving. Um, they are starting to move more towards, you know, electronic measurement of, of bin sizes and bin weights in, in more real time as customers demand more transparency. But that has certainly not flown uh, through, the, uh, through the entire supply chain yet. And, and, and we are not in a position where you can, you know, go out to most of the major waste providers and access sort of, you know, uh, granular data, you know, in an electronic format on a periodic basis. It's, it's, it's a big area of challenge for our customers, as is water, particularly given the nature of how it's delivered. A lot of it is, is coming through municipal bills. Um, it's not necessarily always getting a, a direct uh, bill. So, yeah, the problems definitely get uh, ironically bigger as you look at uh, some of the smaller contributors to that overall uh, sustainability or emissions-based footprint. I guess the, the the one thing that is probably emerging now as, a, as an area of hope, if you like, um, in this data capture area, particularly as it relates to billing data, is the emergence of technologies around sort of uh, robotic uh, process automation, uh, technologies that will go out and actually pick up bills off, off utility uh, and municipality websites. Um, and I've got the intelligence to start, you know, extracting data from within those bills. Now, it's quite a fascinating area. Again, another part of the market that we've been uh, having an eye on for, for many years because it's obviously so so linked to the success of our business. If you can't get quality data, you can't drive an analytics engine, you can't get insights, you can't add value to customers. Um, you know, some of the observations that we've had around uh, these kind of technologies are that, yeah, they can be a little bit hit and miss in terms of the reliability. It very much depends on where some of these companies are uh, in their technology cycle. So we come from a world of sort of original 
scanned bills and, and, and OCR technology. And we found that that was expensive and not necessarily as reliable. A lot of you know, fiddly challenges around the quality of the scanning and being able to get the data off the bill. I think as we move more to an environment where some of these providers are using, you know, machine learning and AI technologies now, they are making um, some really strong advances. So, you know, really using natural language to understand, you know, uh, a kilowatt hour is a kilowatt hour. It doesn't really matter where that is graphically on the bill. If something is a kilowatt hour with a field next to it with numeric fields, you know, there's a very high level of probability that that is, in fact, you know, the kilowatt hour reading. So I think, um, you know, those types of technologies now are certainly increasing the reliability uh, of, of with which you can automate data um, extraction of bills, bringing down the cost uh, of that. So uh, with a lot less rework, you're not relying on, on, on humans to do those 10 or 15% of the bills that are actually, you know, incorrect through the OCR process. So I suspect we will see uh, over the next few years numerous advances and, and and I think a second wave of players coming through the market that are starting to use AI technologies. We're certainly seeing, you know, the big technology companies uh, like Amazon, uh, like Microsoft are, are, are building some incredible smarts into their sort of, you know, cloud-based platforms, which are specifically designed to to deal with, uh, you know, document management, data extraction of documents. Um, you know, we always laugh about it at, uh, over at Invisi. We, we talk about the notion that you can actually use AI and machine learning to sort of, you know, drive a car by itself from Los Angeles to New York uh, with no human intervention, and yet you can't get 20 lines off a utility bill uh, using, you know, AI and machine learning. So I, I think we're hopefully, um, you know, on the cusp of some big breakthroughs in in that space. It's certainly an area that we've been looking at very closely with some technology partners. And I think why is it relevant to to your question, Mike? Is yeah, you know, really that that long tail of bills for water, for waste that are more and more coming through on on PDFs in electronic format. You know, if those kind of bills can be dumped into an engine at scale and with very little training, those engines are able to start extracting the key information reliably from those bills. I think we might finally be over the uh, the data management hump because certainly doing things uh, manually is too expensive. Uh, you know, trying to necessarily work with these suppliers to change. How how they operate and get them to provide electronic data files and do EDI-based integration to these suppliers is difficult. But fundamentally, if they provide native PDF bills and we can get access to those bills and we can use an AI engine to, to extract that data, I, I think we can get into a much better place. And I think that's probably, to be honest, one of the, the big hopes for the industry over the next few years is if we can get this data piece nailed for once and for all, particularly as it relates to all the billing data. It's going to create significant efficiencies for customers. It's going to reduce the data management cost. It's going to reduce the amount of time and effort that their people are putting into data management. It's going to reduce their level of QA and assurance that needs to go across that data. And hopefully that resource can start to focus more on the project-based work and actually driving the sustainability initiatives. Now, of course, that doesn't change the challenge that getting to machine-based data from building automation systems, from, from metering systems sort of um, presents its own challenges. But I certainly think if we could for once and for all crack the code on electronic data from these native bills that are coming out from providers, we, we could come a long way as an industry in, in a short period of time. So data has become this vital resource in sustainability. Um, it enables reporting and decision-making, as you mentioned. How do you take all of that data and convert it into a usable format? How, how do people make decisions based upon these mountains of data? 
Yeah, look, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And, and, and of course, it's all predicated on having these mountains of data and having accurate and, and, and reliable data. So I think one of the uh, again, one of the challenges that's really plagued our industry over the last decade or so is that because the data quality hasn't quite been there, a lot of the insights that we produce through reporting and analytics are not necessarily accurate. And so we've landed up in a position where we sort of send property and facility managers going to look for what might be perceived to be anomalies and, and issues in terms of how energy is being consumed and how those properties are being run, only to find down the track that these were actually data issues. So I think it goes without saying that, you know, the effectiveness of, you know, the analysis, the insight uh, layer, you know, is, is significantly diminished in the absence of high quality data. Um, but I think assuming that we can get in better data and, and we will continue as an industry to get better data, I think we have to acknowledge that we quickly land up in a position where for many of our customers, they land up in this world of, you know, as the Americans say, you know, trying to drink out of a fire hose. You know, you could take uh, any commercial building uh, over seven to 10,000 square meters and, you know, you know, get data at a building automation system level, and you could quickly spew out hundreds, if not thousands of faults within a, in a very short period of time. So I think the challenge for a lot of our customers is how do they distill, you know, all those insights down into the things that really matter. So materiality is, is, is obviously a very big issue. But I think that for a lot of customers, the real value that we need to ultimately deliver through technology is really tell them the things that they don't know or weren't expecting, um, because that's really ultimately where they're going to move the needle. I think you know reporting uh, on, a, on a monthly basis is, is going to give customers macro trends. It's going to let them know whether they're achieving targets or not. Are they achieving glide paths, for example, in, in the case of a net zero target? But I think when you get down into the bigger data sets, when you start working with meter and sub-meter data, when you're working with uh, building automation system data, when you are deploying IoT infrastructure now and you're starting to use sensors to measure temperatures and humidities and, 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 and people movement, yeah, I think the data sets very quickly get too big and it's no longer about reporting. It's about being able to take all this data and really mine that data for the nuggets. And um, I, I think that is well beyond uh, pure visualization tools. I think that's where you do need to get back into this new era of machine learning, AI, and you need to really start finding the patterns and the interesting things in the data which points you towards the anomalies. And then I think, you know, ultimately technologies like ours need to get a whole lot smarter so that you can take a uh, an initial insight and really test that against some other data points because what you want to ultimately deliver people is a small number of material insights that they can actually act upon. And um, I think that is the, the, the big new challenge for, for technology providers uh, like ourselves. I think data analytics, as fantastic as as it is, really needs that human component as well. I mean, in a in a previous podcast with with Mike Shelley from Woolworths, we talked about the success of their energy management centre, and that is taking in all different points of data from all their various energy systems, you know, bringing it into a central point, applying analytics, and then having people look at it, triage it, make sure that it makes sense. And then I guess most importantly in the case of Woolworths, then having the structures in place to actually send people out to act on 
obvious waste or to then, you know, put together the necessary business cases to energy efficiency investment. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike. And and, and obviously, um, you know, uh, knowing the, the, the team over at uh, Woolworths as well and having watched that, that project evolve over the years, I, I think they are probably uh, one of the few companies in Australia who have really uh, got on the front foot and looked at how you can get a proper integration of people, process and technology. We, we know that the technology uh, by itself does, does not produce outcomes. Um, you know, it, it needs to ultimately make its way into an organization's business as usual type processes and structures. Um, if people are going to be able to yeah, pick it up, act on it and, and, and produce those outcomes. And I think, you know, one of the challenges that we've seen more broadly across, you know, our client base is is that organisations have not necessarily had, you know, maybe the, the size of energy spend of, of, of somebody like a, a Woolworths. And, and obviously, given the nature of, of their their sites, lots of refrigeration, lots of HVAC, uh, lots of people coming and going, doors opening and closing, temperatures changing. So there are significant opportunities uh, for an organisation like Woolworths, which has allowed them to go out and and and, and justify the cost of of investing in um, you know the energy uh, operation centre and, um, and 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 the infrastructure to support it. Um, but I think a challenge for a lot of other customers is that you know the business case is just not quite as compelling, and so I think the the real issue for them is how do you work within some of the basic structures. So most buildings today they have a facility manager or a property manager. Often that facility management function is outsourced to a third party. There are companies that come in uh, who are contracted to maintain those buildings. There are HVAC mechanical contractors. There are control contractors who look after the BMS. Uh, there are electrical contractors. So I think the challenge for a lot of customers is how do you take the insights from data and analytics and try and build it as best as possible into that business as usual structure so that you don't have to necessarily go and create, um, you know, a, a team because you simply can't justify that on the on, on, on the, the size of the savings opportunity. And I think that's probably another area that most organizations are still uh, grappling with is, is starting to engage their contractors, starting to engage these third parties who operate in their buildings and try and make them, to be honest, more accountable for the performance of those buildings. And the only way that you're going to do that is obviously creating more transparency, but it needs to be collaborative. Um, it's not just about yeah, you know, oh, the contractors are doing a bad job. The contractors need access to the right systems and tools. They need to see the outputs of those uh, analytics. Um, it needs to link into their core workflow systems. Um, and, and, and ultimately, I think there is an opportunity for most customers to sort of co-create a, a better BAU environment where, you know, both their internal people plus the external people, um, you know, are able to come together, create some better st streamlined processes, looking at how to better leverage data and technology. And ultimately, that transparency is, is what's going to produce a better outcome for the customer. And over time, I suspect better outcomes for the contractors, the facility managers, because they're going to help the customers actually achieve the cost reductions and the sustainability improvements that they're looking for in and around, um, you know, the built environment. And that's got to be good for ultimately long-term business and building stickier relationships between you know customers and, and, and their contractors. Yeah, um, it's that transition for service providers away from making sure that the red light doesn't come on and say there's a problem to moving towards looking to operate their clients' energy systems as optimally as they possibly can because that's how they start to have real value. And you talk about stickiness, 
that's how they start to get, you know, good long-term relationships with their client. Yeah. And I think, you know, being candid, I think a lot of end users, clients out in the market need to start also accepting the fact that if they want their contractors, their facility managers to do this sustainability related piece of work to focus on areas of optimization, in all likelihood, they can't necessarily do that within the construct of the current contract, both from a commercial perspective and, and also in terms of, you know, potentially the, the, the scope, the SL that have been set. So I think over the next few years, we will ultimately need to see, as I said, a, a, a lot of you know, end user organizations uh, sitting down and having candid discussions with their contractors and the people who run and operate buildings in particular and, 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 and share the sustainability goals and the targets that they've set, you know, understand what kind of pathways they're going to need in terms of reduction and how the day-to-day activities, what people focus on um, and, and how they do their work, um, you know, can be influenced by data and driven down, you know, the path where they can ultimately achieve those reductions in a collaborative manner. Um, because I, I think in the in the absence of collaboration, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be where we are today, which is we're getting very poor outcomes in terms of how, you know, most buildings perform from an energy energy and sustainability perspective. Yeah, it's interesting, I guess, you're seeing this evolution in the built environment driven by data and in sustainability and in the way in which we manage assets. How do you think that's going to transform? You know, you, you see data transforming other industries by you know, removing positions that are, that, are, that are currently there or, or it's just, you know, really accelerating any, any process of evolution. What do you think is next within this industry? Um, I, look, I, th- I think it does go back to uh, this notion of, of, of too much time today from sustainability professionals and, and the consultants that they engage, you know, companies like Energetics, I suspect are just generally spending too much time on, on, on tasks like data capture and, and, and analysis. And we've got to get technology to do a lot more of the heavy lifting so that ultimately the resource can be driven towards, you know, driving strategy and projects and, you know, those optimization initiatives that are ultimately going to move the needle. I think if you speak to most sustainability professionals today, energy professionals, you hear the same thing. Oh, we're caught up in reporting season for the next three or four months. Well, why does it take three or four months to get data ready for reporting season? You know, at the end of the day, we should be able to get data reliably. We should be able to, you know, package it up. Yes, there's always going to be a little bit of QA, but I think there is just a disproportionate amount of time today, um, you know, going into in, into tasks around yeah, managing data. And I think if we can use, te- as I said, use technology to fix that, we, we need to liberate sustainability professionals to really go out and, and, and drive the the agenda and the strategy side of things much harder. They've got to you know, really be on the front foot in terms of, uh, you, know, you know, looking at renewable strategies. Um, you know, there's a huge amount of complexity now in terms of understanding energy markets, the impact of, 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 of grid-based decarbonisation on, on their carbon footprints over time. And, and for a lot of organisations, particularly those that have now decided to make, you know, net zero commitments or science-based target commitments, you know, they are really strapped in over the next five to 10 years around a significant investment from a capital perspective, a financial capital perspective in terms of achieving those goals. And you know, if, if I was running one of these large firms, I'd want to make sure that my sustainability professionals were spending a lot of time thinking and analyzing about how they were going to get there and, 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 and not spending you know, three, four months of the year worrying about you know, Engers reporting and the annual sustainability report. So I think that's the real shift that we've got to see uh, in the industry. And um, I, I think uh, a lot of it, as I said, still comes back down to the fundamentals. If we can get better data, 
um, if we can get a lot of data into one place out of these silos where it can start, you know, being effectively leveraged, particularly with, with areas like, you know, machine learning and AI, then I think, um, you know, we'll come a long way towards um, allowing the, 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 the sustainability sector to, to go and really have a measurable impact. If we keep the industry bogged down in, in data, um, I, I think uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult and a lot slower to, uh, to achieve some of these fairly ambitious goals now that you know, so many big corporates are, are, are sitting at a board level. Where do you see Invisi evolving in the next five years? I mean, what's next for Invisi? Look, it's interesting. We've just come through a fairly significant development cycle over the past 12 to 18 months, which was very focused on providing our customers a lot more flexibility in terms of how they can report and analyze the data. So we did a big project to uh, integrate Microsoft's Power BI platform, which we see as the the, the leading platform globally in, in, in sort of BI. So we've natively integrated that into the Invisi platform. We did a lot of work on, on usability and user interface. And I think all those things were a function of being able to give the customer a better experience with how they interacted with the data, um, allow them to more easily choose the things that they wanted to see and how they wanted to analyze them. I still think that that is really um, only an intermediate step because we, we, we quickly bump uh, up against this ongoing problem that customers are telling us like, I'm busy. I actually, I don't even have time to use these tools and, 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 and develop the reports. So I think, you know, the, the, the big horizon for us over the next three to four years, and we've now made some fairly significant um, you know, commitments to this. Um, we've actually signed up to the uh, the, the race initiative, which uh, uh, John Judson is, is driving, which has got a fairly um, you know, uh, bold agenda around um, you know, using government funding and, and, and working with universities to drive innovation. And, and I think for us, you know, innovation over the next three to four years is really around AI, machine learning, and you know, hopefully using a, a larger data set and a higher quality data set to really just tell customers the things that matter in their portfolios. You know, I, 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 I just don't believe it's sustainable for us moving forward that customers are going to sit down and want to look at reports every month and, and, and do the analysis. Um, you know, the machines have got to start doing a lot more of this work. Um, and and, and yeah, I guess it's a theme that I've, I've, I've spoken about a little bit earlier. Um, you know, we, we, we need to get to the things that matter. And, and I think that will be the challenge for all technology providers in our space. Quality data coming in, and then the machines have got to do the bulk of the thinking, and then it's got to land up in the hands of consultants like yourselves, um, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, resources within the customer's world, and it, it's really got to point them in the direction of the problem so that they can go and drive effective projects. You know, if, if effective project is ultimately, you know, upgrading BMSs across a whole lot of sites globally, then, uh, then, then, you know, that's where people need to be focused, not spending, you know, the bulk of their time actually analysing the data and working out why these BMSs aren't aren't working properly. Um, but I think we're still away away off that. But I, I, I think if, I, if you said to me, what's the big theme that Invisi will need to embrace and is embracing over the next three, four years, it's, it's, it's really putting this data to work, um, using a lot of the technology smarts that companies like Amazon and, and, and Microsoft through Azure are delivering to us now in, in terms of amazingly powerful technology tools. And if we can bring those tools together with the data, if we can wrap in some of the domain expertise, 
collaborating with consultants like yourselves, I think we can drive all the noise out of this and really put people onto the small number of things that matter and that will move the needle for them in terms of their sustainability strategies. Mike, Dave, thanks for your time. I guess what we can take away from this is that data is an enabler, but without clean data, things can't be enabled. And that new enabler is automation. And that automation will unlock the ability for sustainability managers and professionals to take action, to derive outcomes. Data is core to what we do and clean and accurate data is core for making clean and accurate decisions. To everyone listening, if you have any feedback or questions, please email us at info at energetics.com.au. We look forward to you joining us again next week. Energetics Exchange Podcast, conversations with energy and climate experts.